very warm welcome to the Understanding Users podcast, brought to you by Researchable UX. It's great to have you with me. I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development, and product management. And they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed, informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences. So sit back and enjoy. In this episode of Understanding Users, Ben shares his view that technology should never be an end in itself, but rather a means of allowing users to achieve their desired goals and outcomes. He portrays his role as often being to facilitate the flow of information between the user and the product team, and talks of the vital importance of often dispersed developments in UX teams being joined up as a product evolves. He cautions against the danger of allowing research participants to invent problems during the usability testing phase, and speaks of his firm belief that designers should always understand and keep in mind the medium they're designing for. Finally, he plays my three-card challenge to share his favourite UX tool, favourite technique, and a trend he hopes to see in the future. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So my guest this time is Ben Watson, and Ben is a freelance UX designer, uh, currently working with the London Borough of Sutton here in the UK. And uh, we've had the pleasure of working together all three years ago now, was it, Ben? Three years, yes. Yeah, and uh, it's great to have you on the show. Well, thanks for, yeah, thank you very much for uh, for getting in touch and, and having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to well catching up as you say it's been three years we just I, I don't know how that's happened so yeah it's great to great to get to chat again so tell us a little bit tell me a little bit about kind of what you're up to at the moment the kind of work you're doing and um how you're working in Sutton London Borough of Sutton so so the work I'm doing at the moment so is it's just coming the project itself is coming to an end actually we had a had a product launch uh, this week so the um I've been working on a uh, a local authorities um website so a council website for the london borough, uh, london borough of sutton um and it, it went live on 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 uh, this monday so the 31st of january um after about i've been involved for about 13 months the yeah i mean the the, the process itself has been has been really quite interesting and you mentioned the multidisciplinary teams thing. What's the makeup of the team you're with at the moment in terms of kind of the roles and the size and part of the as a um as a transformational piece, some of the the team's been uh, relatively transient. So we've we've many of the the sort of the disciplines that would be um, more familiar with in, uh, in in perhaps central government or, or perhaps in other sort of enterprise sort of retraining. So we've had a series of um, previous sort of business analysts, previously you know in previous lives of business analysts, taking on sort of you know service service design for the first time and doing a fantastic job. Uh, sort of a, a, um, a really enthusiastic and capable team, yeah, really buying into the process. Um, so, as I say, no one, no one's necessarily coming with a particular uh, title or label, um, but they've sort of fulfilling fulfilling roles. So, we've had a few fantastic sort of user researchers months before they they would have been known as business analysts coming under the wings of um, sort of more established and more practitioners and and hit the ground running. So, yeah, the makeup is is, is really a lot of uh, content design specialists service designers, user researchers, and the organization as well is, is looking to expand in, in, in those disciplines. So they've been actively recruiting and, yeah, and, and transforming. 
and and tell me about you ben like how did you get into digital what's the kind of your career trajectory to this point what kicked it all off is um uh basically my first year of secondary school so when i was what 11 or 12 um all of my friends went to a different school and they got taught how to build a website and i was jealous so i think i must have been 12 actually i went and got a big big book on html out of the library so i won't say what year that was but it was uh, <laughs> you're showing I, I was your 12. age yeah <laughs> um there was no css in that book there we are put it that way it was all html and javascript so yeah i just had a i had a an interest uh because other people were doing it and basically from from that from the age of 12 i just i i, I you know i'd like to tinker and build things and i just saw you know i i, I um about three, four years later, I actually got the internet and I can actually do things from a local thing, you know, thing on my go and work on other people's computer. I, I really like building basic sites without it having a purpose. So basically I continued doing that. I just continued built like, I guess like not a technologist, but I, I like to build things for the sake of building things. And then by the time I hit sort of 17 or 18, I, I, I had, I used it as a vehicle to basically um, a medium to sort of put sort of more artistic en endeavors, like things that I was creating music, Oh, and it actually had a purpose. So I had a vehicle to fulfill a purpose. And, and basically, I know it's a lot of lot of background, but the reason for it is it was about about the age of 18 when I had no intention of pursuing a career in, in, in what I've continued to, to do that I, you know, I saw basically the technology that I you know, understood and had an interest in. It was only useful to as a vehicle for other things. So it had to have a purpose. Uh, I, I, I learned that you know building things just for the sake of building it didn't. No one was interested. It wasn't really useful to anybody. It was fun for me, but it wasn't useful. To carry that on into, so I, I studied law actually at university. I finished my degree, but I set up a company in the first year. Um, again, not not for not for um, any sort of uh, financial reasons, just because I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, and I actually, I won, a, uh, I won a, uh, an award, um, Shell Technologies Enterprise Program. So I, I won a regional competition in web design against people that were studying, um, you know, studying the, the discipline. I did it because I enjoyed doing the thing, not not with any particular goal in mind. Uh, and basically I was, uh, I interned with a, with, with a company and had to sort of build something for them. But essentially that, um, that then sort of propelled people getting in touch. So I, I, I actually, you know, I sort of paid my way through uni um, by building building sites and and, and learning more. Uh, and I realised that sort of at that point, and that's what I wanted to do. Is what I, you know, I did it because I enjoyed it, but I was also studying something that I didn't really enjoy. It. I was doing sort of internships as well with with um, um, with solicitors, and I wasn't really in, enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I just carried on. So I've I've basically been been working for myself uh, since since I was. 20 you know doing things for the sake of doing things never really made sense it's mm -hmm. you know using using technology uh, to solve you know to, to have a purpose for people is 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 like is something that i really sort of uh, yeah it's sort of really important to me so you are an award-winning ux designer in essence yeah you know what it, it pretty much stopped there you know it, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there were a few more but uh you know, Once an award, always an award. I think you should. Yeah, I've got it up with my, you know, my fifty meters uh, badge. <laughs> you know, rescue the brick from the bottom of the pool. Good for you. Good for you. And I'm interested that you're talking about kind of freelancing and going it alone, as it were. When I'm also a freelancer, as you know. Tell me, tell us about life as a freelancer. What what you like about it? What you dislike about it? What are the challenges? Um, I I will start off by saying that the one thing it's never been about is is uh, I mean money it's you know uh, for a lot of people um that may be a driver um and 
but basically the, the the decision to sort of work more as a as a, as a freelancer as consult you know to, to consult with people and, and help out has never been uh, about money it's more to do with um not you know keeping skills sharp um and, and and this isn't this isn't this is like i say just my my personal view sort of coming into coming into things it was more about wanting to take on a succinct uh, challenge and task and and see it through and never you know as soon as i'm not really useful i don't I don't, people don't want me around. I don't, I don't want to be around. So it's, it's more constantly chasing, um, you know, the excitement of, of, of learning, working with people um, that you can learn from and just not, not moving over necessarily into what, you know, I, I think things are very different now, but, you know, back in the day, basically business as usual, keeping things, keeping things ticking. Mindset has, has changed a great deal in, in the sort of the last, well, I'm giving I'm giving things away now, aren't I? But sort of 15 years of, of operating commercially, um, and I think sort of BAU now is more is more you know continuing continuing to iterate and uh, and, and that sort of thing. But I do I do enjoy succinct uh, problems. So I was going to say, what kind of projects do you like to get involved in? Is yeah, there, can you think of any particular examples and that of things that you've particularly liked or frustrations you've had? Don't have to use names if you don't want to. Obviously, no, no, no. Well. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, the the over over the years that I've worked, I've worked with some really really interesting. Um, so at the, at the time, it was the biggest uh, it was the biggest well entertainment title ever ever released. I worked t- ten years ago on on Modern Warfare Three, which right. I I loved Call of Duty at the time. I, yeah, I still I still do. But um, I was really into gaming. I worked on that, and that was super exciting. You know, I, I worked in California for three months, and I you know oh, that wow. was great but the work at the end of the day the work is still the same as when i you know the sorts of things that i'm doing now when i'm speaking to someone with english as a second language you know trying to work out the council tax it's i know it sounds silly because one is on the face of it a bit more um i know less sexy than glamorous yeah yeah right than the other but at the end of the day it, you know the the actual day-to-day tasks and, and the 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 things that we sort of uh are calling you know the the techniques and, and things that we're doing I considered myself in many respects to be like a conduit of information to, to really to speak to people and feed that into to feed it into into teams and, and things like that in terms of the sorts of projects um i i, I don't know i know it's, it's a, maybe a bit of a cop-out answer but I, I find most projects to be the same you know if, if we're listening to people and designing for people using I, I mean i don't exclusively work with web technologies but that's really where my my forte is because i because i understand them i feel that that brings a slight benefit from 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 my perspective to to also then progress into here's how we do it and and be aware of the constraints that we that we may have so 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 on on that note you're talking about um building for users what does what yeah. does user-centered design mean to you well uh, obviously it's placing the the user at the center of things which unfortunately for many for many endeavors um is is you know potent, potentially an afterthought so you know there's there's often a, a a mentality of you know build it and they will come people just build things because they can they've been given budget and that you know heavily tech laden teams will, will build um so you see it's, right, it sounds sounds silly sounds obvious but it's placing a user at the center of everything that you're doing so users and actually you know establishing whether there's um th- there's there's a problem you know just dis- discovering if there's something worth you know that, that needs addressing um rather than you know doing something and finding a, a problem to solve which which i know sounds you know may sound silly but i i've, I've got to say that probably accounts for 50% of the work that I've ever done it's it's someone doing something for the sake of it and then trying to retrofit a uh uh not I mean they they wouldn't have 
described it in, as a user need, but the user is an afterthought. So I think that for me, you know, user-centric design is obviously placing the user at the forefront and maybe sometimes having the difficult conversation, which is, I don't think this is, this is mm. not necessary or, you know, maybe there's a different uh, problem here to consider solving. So it's, it's really, you know, the user is at the forefront and is, is, is in absolutely every conversation to do with uh, the work that you it's funny, isn't it? And I've had this conversation with so many guests on this show. Is is once your eyes are open to user centricity and user centered mm-hmm. design, you realise how many spheres of life are not designed with users in mind. Yeah. I'll give you an example. At about four o'clock this morning, very unwelcome, the battery in our smoke alarm on the landing died, and it started yeah. beeping. So I was up there half asleep, trying to get this thing off the ceiling, and then trying to get the battery out of the back. And the instructions which were written on the back made almost no sense to me. I mean, I was half asleep, which probably didn't help. But I thought, if only you showed this to half a dozen people outside the factory that you manufactured this in and yeah. got them to read these, um, you would have written them in a completely different way. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, user-centered design. It, it needs to be everywhere. And it's yeah. not. <laughs> the amount of, um, say, we've had a launch with a particular product this week, and, and the, some of the things, that are, some of the feedback that's been coming back from uh, from uh well just from places let's just say uh often you know i, I suspect uh, this has anyone has anyone raised this genuinely or is this you know the this sort of the ability for people to um put themselves in other people's shoes so the the invention of problems we often hear oh but i think yeah, someone yeah. someone like this will struggle with this um you know it's often listening to the problems firsthand and actually a lot of the things that have been raised with this particular thing are you know people projecting uh, and and you know they haven't been raised firsthand and, and, you know, these sorts of things. So I think it's also, you know, I often encounter um, not just stakeholders, but people you work with and people with the, the very best intentions often projecting mm-hmm. using this. They imagine a user might need something and, and often mistake that for, you know, being, uh, well, I guess it's, you know, it's, it's empathizing, but it's with, with something you know, very fictional. And without any evidence, it's that kind of evidence-based empathy that you need. Absolutely. I, I, I remember um, a session once um, observing a user research session and someone was talking about, they were looking at something and they were like, yeah, this is fine. But, but if I was on a train and I had a tablet and, uh, and they were inventing all of these sort of scenarios, uh, I, I could never use this. And that was like, that's interesting. So the, the researcher, so do you, do you travel a lot by train? Oh, no, never. Like, but you you're a tablet user as well oh no no i don't don't own a tablet but i can just imagine but the whole session was you know trying to bring it back on track back trying to understand how this particular user would um you know observe the use of, of a particular you know prototype of project and it was just impossible we, we basically sort of abandoned the session at some point because it's impossible for them to not just invent scenarios and they were pretending to be someone all the time and we've been in similar sessions where people are as you say the invention of problems are like that and it's it's yeah it's kind of like well and that's again why you need to speak to as many users as you can as across a broader range of um, demographics and locations and everything else. I mean, on that note, how do you, as a UX designer, and how can say UX designers in general ensure they have an impact on the product teams they're working with or the service teams in the case of government? That is a that is a great question. Um, so I think recognizing perhaps that it's not always possible. How can people ensure? So one of the things that I will often do, uh, and it's you know not just checkpoints, but I often think about. Uh, I think to be good at what we do, we really have to. Especially it depends how long you're working with something, what your remit is. But often I will work with a, with a project for for around a year, maybe two years. So there's enough time to get emotionally invested, and I think to really empathise and you know if you're if you're speaking to uh, potentially hundreds of users over that time, uh, it's hard not to you know, have, I know it sounds silly, but genuine empathy for 
your you, you there's emotional connections to what you're doing i think sometimes there is a um there's a there's a you have to be realistic and say like can anything be done to, to solve this and recognize that you know the the cap- not just sorry not the te- technical capabilities of the team but the remit of a team to, to change something for example so i think understanding what the you know being realistic about what the team can do um and sort of uh yeah basically setting your expectations to being being realistic about what you can can achieve um i think sort of ingraining you know really being part of um part of the the cycle so with to say i i I specialize i I work pretty much entirely with with web um web-based projects products that are meant intended to be consumed by a browser on various devices so it has a particular sort of tech you know set of tech stacks and i'm not sure how transposable this this sort of thing is but actually being involved in uh in you know making sure design isn't separate to development there's a, there's a joined up um there's there's a real joining up of everything so th- these sort of exercises don't happen in in a siloed uh way and also you know again it may be specific to this particular setup but the the development of something and the design of something um i say just making that joined up and and making a you know concerted effort to really think about the handoff so speaking with the recipients of your output and and really thinking about how you can make it as easy as possible you know as easy as possible for them to sort of um utilize and uh, rather than you know the chucking something over the fence and, and hope it lands I've, I've worked with some teams that literally work in different locations the design team have different uh, project like boards whether it's trello or, or Jira, whatever people are using it is separate there's there is no there's a very clear separation and and in those sorts of examples I, re- I very rarely see you know the adoption of design thinking so yeah i guess being joined up and um, i know it sounds basic you know we'll mark and edit videos down to say look this this really this articulates what a trend that we're seeing and try and make again just try and make it easier for people to consume some of the stuff that we have obviously there's a danger there that we're you know it's the out we choose the narrative but but really having people uh, i say people you know developers um you know uh delivery managers people that are responsible for obviously have empathy for those people as well that have a job job to do and and uh, you know the things to deliver budgets to manage but you know making Make it as easy as possible to see the things that, that we're seeing for people. And your comment earlier about throwing things over the fence, that resonates a lot. And I've seen that particularly in agency world where the agency yeah. will do one part, so the, the, the shiny front end, and then it's literally sent to somewhere else to, for the development to happen. And yeah, unless the team's kind of cohesive and working together and has sort of been on that journey, it, it's quite That's hard 100%. for the yeah I mean, sense. we see as well many, you know, multidisciplinary teams built up with, with teams that... Um, uh, from different, um, often you know, often within the consultant world, different suppliers. So you have, you have, you know, contractual agreements that, that differ. So a team may be made up of three different. So a design thing has a has a duty design, but the obligations for the development team may be to to do something in a particular way. They may look at something that's incompatible. But regardless, I think is that is that being joined up. If 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 you're not joined up for whatever reason, whether it's location, whether it's you know difference in incompatibility of like contractual statements of work this sort of thing if a team isn't joined up uh, i think that's where you know going back to the sort of the, the the crux of the question about you know how do you make things succeed i think being realistic and you know if you see if you're part of a team that you suspect that it's not really possible to you know you're working with a particular supplier that that you know the the 
the organization doesn't have the same ethos or d- doesn't buy into user-centric design. There's, mm-hmm. there's one supplier that I worked with for quite some time. I mean, it was embarrassing what, what their view on, on user-centric design was. And, and it's, you know, it completely doesn't align with, with the client that they're working for or, or mine. And how much, well, what I consider success, which is a product that, that, that meets the, the needs identified for, for, for users. Yeah. Just being realistic, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and often, you know, if it's, if you can't, um, we, we can't always pick and choose the work we do at the end of the day. As I said, it's not about money, but sometimes, you know, you, we have to pay bills. We were in, you know, sometimes you have to lump it and, and, and do things that don't quite sit right. Totally. So talk me through a, a typical day for you as a, as a yeah. UX designer, interaction designer, whether it be on the current project or sort of prior to that kind of generally, yeah, yeah. What, what does it look like? Well, I mentioned before uh, we've, we've spoken about GDS. We've spoken about the, 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 the various sort of processes that, uh, that I uh, that that are in place. So, in terms of you know discovering whether there, there's 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 a need in the first place before you know assigning budget to a particular problem, uh, we know about the the various phases within uh, within government, and that 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 method um, is something that I, I I subscribe to totally. So, and that was before I'd even you know done any work in government. So, whether things are in sort of private enterprise where I'm working with someone that, that isn't bound by by these sort of you know the checks and balances of an assessment and these sorts of things uh, I heavily subscribe to it and I, I always try and work in that way so the reason I mention that is it very much depends on the phase the phase that we're working so if if we're in a discovery phase where we're trying to understand a problem uh, the, the need for a solution uh, you know or whether we're in, we're in an alpha phase or a beta phase we're in we're in a live phase where we're actually supporting or it's you know iterating I think the the day to day activities differ somewhat. Um, so it, you know, in many respects, it depends on the phase of, a, of the life cycle or phase of a particular project. Um, but for for today, you know, in all of those phases, one one would hope a, a particular day is is carved up uh, nicely between speaking or, or observing users with a, with a product. Um, I like personally like to work in sort of two-week sprints of design sprints whether it's in sync with more development uh, you know delivery sprints delivery or whether we just uh, as a design team do something slightly different but but not unrelated and I know that may sound like it sort of contradicts what I mentioned before but having a succinct sort of goal or, or problem to solve in a short a uh, short cycle uh, is typically how it would work so yeah work you know trying to get insight into that particular um, problem statement that that, that you've you're working on as a, as a team, uh, getting insight and sort of, you know, working on um, perhaps prototypes. You know, the outputs that I'll be be putting together, or documentation or insight that that help um, sort of get us a better understanding of what that what that problem statement was. So, how, in your experience, should UX designers like yourself work with, let's say, user researchers or content designers or you know the sort of the other members of the UX team, if you like? I find before sort of answering that, I just sort of recognize that most most of the people that I've worked with, uh, I mentioned before about titles, UX designers, are, I, I don't mind what I'm called, but I know what I do. And I know regardless of the title that I'm given, I end up, you know, typically work in the, in the same way. But I think obviously with UX designer being such a wide, you know, the, the, the umbrella, that's a, for me, it's an umbrella term. So I think it's, mm. you know, and I, I, this isn't the way that I work isn't supposed to sort of sound dogmatic or say this is how people should work. But I think it gives us enough um, 
uh, I guess, autonomy to decide what it, because it's such an umbrella term, we, we can sort of decide how, we, how best we, we work. But I, I see myself um, as, a, as a sort of a, a utility of, of a user research uh, a user research team. So I see myself as a utility for the, the user research function, if that makes sense. So it's I'm here to to you know hopefully help help shape a little the sorts of things we might be um, wanting to solve in terms of issues with, with with an interface. Like I say, this is specific to to inter you know interfaces, but helping with um, you know hypotheses of, of of what we think might might work well given a particular you know insight that we want to see we might work on you know call upon previous experience or sort of other heuristics that we we, we think are going to work conventions things that we've uh, i might recommend that we 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 utilize these to sort of gain uh, insight and produce artifacts to again to prompt and, and work with users to get the insight but it's it might in, in uh, yeah I, I believe my my role is really to facilitate that that flow of information from user to to, to to team right right and, and you sort of touched on this earlier but in terms of kind of how you share and socialize the insights you're learning as a team how do you traditionally do that whether it be you individually or kind of as a ux team well that i mean that's a very good so traditionally is a, a funny one i think because obviously it's you know it was still a bit of a frontier you know the, the way we work in there isn't a universal way of working so i think again understanding what <clears throat> the appetite for for this sort of thing is, I say, by this sort of thing, I mean, you know, working with in government, you know, for, fortunately, and I, I, I mean, I mean that fortunately, it's it's sort of mandated as ways of working are mandated. So you, you know, teams would rather, you know, often rather not be working the way we are, but but they have to, and that's a good thing. But you know, in other in other, um, you know, in other uh, walks of life in in sort of private enterprise, there may be someone's only giving x amount of, of budget or time to a particular thing so you, you maybe have you don't have the luxury of of assessments or or the sort of lengthy playbacks it has to be a bit more informal like this is what we found uh, so it will depend on the on the appetite for um you know unfortunately i i still believe that most 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 projects are run by uh individuals or there's a there's a there's an overwhelming okay so not overwhelming but maybe a majority majority you know majority held view that that the user-centric design process is is frivolous it's 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 a nice to have i i find i'm usually the most under resourced first to go last to come in it's the right. maybe the cherry on top in, in a lot of places so if that's you know if that's the case um i have to you know you have to be sort of very efficient and effective with with what you're doing it so I, I find the the types of output really depend on the appetite for or the respect afforded to the to the to the discipline and, and is that linked to the kind of level of maturity of ux within the organization yeah i i, I think it's intrinsically linked if, if the maturity is is there then then there's already a culture there's a there's a practice there's a you, you've got more people on the floor you're you're corner is is you know is being you don't have to fight for anything often um, brought into places where there is no existing sort of practice and you're having to instill to very what i believe are very skeptical people with the purse purse strings uh and yeah often in fact that's a, you know i think it's quite an interesting point there often you're telling the people that are, are ultimately responsible so often you know with startups a lot of the 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 you know the founders you tell them things that they already know and they just think what's the point of this and what, what we found what i found is that the rest of the you know teams are then 
they're like, that's your vision. They, and they're aligned. So what you're doing is you're telling some people what they already know, but you're actually, you're documenting, you're bringing out and you're, uh, you know, mapping out end-to-end processes that actually was only known by, by like I say, experts or people. So, you know, you help align align views and, and that sort of thing. But I find those particular outputs quite, um, uh, I refer to them as as-is diagrams, just showing what the current state looks like, you know, service blueprints uh, that, that just, just map out what something looks like that that you uh, you can bring alignment you know people can synchronize their views and that's a fascinating perspective so your role is as much making everyone make sure everyone's on the same page um as it is flagging things that it might be new to 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 members of the the, the client or the stakeholder team yeah exactly so you know everyone's everyone's interested in solutions but if we're not if we don't have a an aligned um sort of understanding of not just the problem statements that we, we you know touch on using these aligning you know aligning our understanding of why we're doing something but again just internally what what we have to play with i think that synchronization when we're all trying to work on a, a common solution having a common starting point i think is 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 very very interesting it's one of the things you know i think is is, is ux's i know this is going to be audio but i've got some quotation marks going up there as ux is you know we're, that's I, I think it's an important part of what we do as well it's, it's about um you know aligning so so what um following on from that then what characteristics or personality traits do you think ben make a good uxer whether it be ux designer user researcher somebody else interesting one i mean the first the first thing that came to mind was someone that's that's quite strong can basically continue to uh get across a point and and be clear that it's not necessarily their opinion they're a conduit for information and when someone's you know maybe louder voices are saying you're wrong you know standing your ground they're saying but but I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a conduit. I'm just telling you what we've heard. I'm, I'm, I'm relaying information. But that said, you know, my first thought was was a strong personality or someone that can hold their own, uh, stay calm, uh, and you know, be a people person with stakeholders and, and and again, like help the facilitation of the shared information. But I've seen very successful, very brilliant um, individuals that have sort of new to the to the discipline that quite you know, naturally perhaps timid and and don't really have that that sort of that trait or those sorts of characteristics that again just operate just as just as well so i I'm not, in terms of a sort of personality personality characteristic I, I don't know i think you know the ability to not rub people up the wrong way i think is a <laughs> is a good thing uh, as a life skill in general isn't yeah, it? <laughs> but, but i think you know i think more so being you know if i had to tie something down see being being strong but but clear that that you're you're representing these views not necessarily my own and that's interesting because it you're talking there about the soft skills and that's come through again and again with lots of other Mm. uh, guests in this series that the soft skills are almost as important if not as important as the kind of skills of the trade if you like of of how you go about ux it's kind of what you do with that and how you convince people and persuasion and narrative it's a hundred percent. So we recently, um, I was asked to if I could provide a little bit of work experience for for some that I'd worked with uh, for relation affairs, and uh, and and I asked, and and uh, someone that was working at the time were very receptive, and they were like, yeah, yeah, they can join, they can join sort of um, meetings and calls, and we, you know, we made sure that everyone was comfortable before that individual. But what I was interested in doing is this individual had, had done a UX and UI degree for three years, albeit during COVID, so things were a little bit. You know, not not traditional, but you're conscious of the fact that you don't need to me to tell you how to you know can you know conduct research or or some of the things that you can learn in the classroom. So I was more keen to sort of 
bring that individual into into meetings with stakeholders, but also with with this other decision makers and and people that had been on the floor and seeing how look, there's this you know there's a little bit of a um, uh, not not strategy, but there is there's massaging of egos. There's there's often people want to be decision that they, they want to they want their decision to be theirs that they want to have their own stamp. But we're also we're trying to make a decision for you know this this fifty hours of of one to one research that we've just done. So how do we so yeah about sort of um, stakeholder management? So that that sort of thing that you can't necessarily learn in a classroom. So so on that note, kind of an an aspiring uh, UX designer, let's say. Yeah. What advice would you give someone in, in the case of that individual? Like if someone else came to you and said, "Hey, I want to get into this world," what would you tell them? Well, I can I can maybe speak about the 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 conversations that that, that we had with the individual that I'm talking about. Um, I I sensed pretty quickly that that the the passion wasn't necessarily in the same field as me. So I've mentioned before, I'm right. I'm passionate about uh, the web about about standards based things you can do in a browser. I love the the fact that most of us. Um, you know, I've been fortunate recently to do some some work in different continents. Uh, I think I've worked on four continents, and but the, basically, there are certain things that everyone seems to have available to them. Um, and and basically, browsers are, are so. I'm very passionate about that particular thing. I know this is uh, I've gone off a bit of a tangent, but the particular individual wasn't really that that didn't feel like there's this like natural sort of draw to to, to the web, more to do with experiences uh, like physical experiences and and you know immersive experiences. So. I'd, I'd be I'd be sort of loath to give particular any sort of uh, advice, not recognizing that you know when we're thinking about users of things, but it, it really depends on the medium. I don't know if 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 if, if there was someone specifically looking at, at the web and thinking that's that's the that's the medium that, that that appeals to me. I'd like to speak with with people that you know improve experiences on on the web. I'd then, um, in fact, maybe this is transposable. Understanding the medium. So right. not just the solution, but, you know, I, my recommendation would be to, as best you can, un understand the medium that you're designing for, all the constraints that are there, all the, the realistic, you know, the reasons not to do particular things. Um, Your own career, Ben, where do you see it going um, over the next five, ten years? That sounds like a real interview question. It's not meant to be, yeah. but just based on kind of where you've been thus far and where you are at the moment, how would you yeah. like it to progress? I still see myself doing the same thing, perhaps in five, ten years. Um, hopefully, not as a, you know. Say, I've been working as a consultant. I would, I would, I'd love to commit to to something uh, that you know for a, a real full lifespan of a particular uh, product or organization that, that I really aligned with, or you know, something that that I really sort of uh, believed in. Um, but yeah, I see myself still doing the same thing. But I don't know what the you know the the outputs what what solutions will look like but i i feel confident that the the conversations the the methods the the concern about you know the needs of individuals the human that, that is at the center of of, of all the things that, that we're doing i i can't really imagine uh well it's not foreseeable right great change there but i do foresee the the solution changing a great deal that's absolutely spot on isn't it and it's, you're talking about i suppose in essence kind of future proofing your career Technology changes fast, but humans don't. And so the need to focus on the human element of it will always be there, or hopefully always be there. It should always be there. <laughs> okay, then the last thing is a three-car challenge. Um, and as you know, I've been doing this with everyone. So we've got a diamond, a heart, and a spade. And I'll just get you to choose one of those. I'll go for that, the spades. And on the spade is technique. So tell me about your favoured or favourite UX design technique. <laughs> 
putting something and why uh, so it's again and i appreciate this is this is so hugely connected to the the very particular medium that i have but um technique would be in fact i think it's applicable to any anything put put something in someone's hand put something tangible in someone's uh, okay maybe not always in someone's hand it depends on your medium but in mind just have someone use the thing the use you know tangible contextual things not abstract ideas um so the technique for me would just be just knocking up uh, rapidly creating a um you know if it's something for the web i'm not going to design i'm not going to i'm not going to mock something up that's a picture that looks like something the web i can in in less time i can create something that is like a a, a basic version of the thing that that hopefully they'll be using so the technique is yeah produce tangible yeah, tangible things into people's hands and observe and learn brilliant next to it's got to be the heart i think the heart is tool? a tool so what's your favorite tool so i guess as an extension of what i've just said it's uh any any text editor so you know the the three pillars of uh of of, of the web, the um, you know what happens in a in a browser on the on the client side and user interface, HTML, CSS, and, and JavaScript. At the end of the day, there's many different ways we can we can produce those those sort of three pillars. But um, you know, vanilla, we can just we can just write them in a, in a in a notepad and produce them. Obviously, I wouldn't do that. But if I had to choose a particular tool, it would be yeah, some sort of um, text editor to create the thing that I just mentioned. <laughs> nice and simple i like that and the last one trend what trend do you foresee or would you like to see in 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 your discipline over the next so year or two or three so the last couple of weeks have been uh certainly my household uh been dominated by wordle um and the thing that uh you know and i think a couple of days ago it was you know brought out by the new york times i believe so maybe things will change um but the trend I like to see continue is a uh, people reverting to simplicity. So, Wordle is is a it's a it's a just a it's a JavaScript application. uses about hundred kilobytes of, of JavaScript without any any big name framework, and it just it's this it's so simple. It's 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 browser based. It's not it's not an app. It's you don't it uses local storage. You don't need to log in. It's not you're not really being actively tracked and, and having adverts. It's simple. It's the it's the way the web was. You know, it's the, it's the simplicity before people are monetizing everything. I would like to see that sort of trend continue. Just simple, uh, brilliant execution of, of fun things. Um, that's that's great, isn't it? At, at that point, it kind of makes the price that was paid for it all the more eye-watering because, as you say, the actual what's underlying it is. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, the way the way it works as well. I think you know, there's a BBC article for anyone that, uh, and not just BBC, many articles about how you can have it running for the next seven years because that, I think, the makeup of the the JavaScript underneath it's just the 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 dictionary is the is the the bulk of it. Uh, and I think if you save it right now, you can use the same thing for the next seven years. So. Uh, well, we've come to the end of uh, our, our chat, Ben, and thank you so much. That's been it's been great to catch up as always, and uh, thank you for sharing all of your your wisdom and your years of experience. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Understanding Users podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening, and feel free to share it more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. Join me again next time and I'll be talking to Tim Blass, 
experienced design lead at the agency MMT Digital, on his experience of building user-centered products for clients throughout his career. Until then, stay safe and stay user-centered.